think it's important for artists, for creative people to play music every single day or create works of art every single day with the aim of creating beauty, in a sense. And um, sort of determine, not even determine, but calibrate the person to the environment, to the situation, to the happenings of the world, to the happenings in one's life based off of the interplay between order and chaos. So, for example, I can play just the white keys on the piano. It's easier to stay in key because, well, of course, it's a limitation of sorts. And uh, sometimes it's useful to even even reduce the number of keys used or reduce the variation in the rhythmic element. Well, basically increase the number of limitations. Um, create arbitrary rules for play and then observe those rules. And then based off of, I mean, in each moment, really, not just every day, but in each moment, the outcome of the arbitrarily, supposedly arbitrary created rules that one creates for one's own play with music, with art, one can sort of calibrate the approach to the rest of life, to what one might call quote-unquote real life sort of life outside of music and life outside of the creative realm and uh, that music sort of helps calibrate with each moment of one's life what is the appropriate sort of rhythm what is the appropriate sort of self-established limitation that one should place on one's existence except of course none of this has to be conscious none of this has to be sort of intellectualized in any way it um simply simply practiced uh it seems to me that likely the positive benefits of that sort of calibration come not from the conscious understanding of its happening, but rather by simply the participation in it. And so we're, we're sort of playing the line between <laughs> boredom 
due to the overconstraining of play and complete and utter chaos um, and complete sort of confusion um, given by lack of constraint. And so during exploration, musically, one might sort of come in, I might come in oftentimes with my usual method of <laughs> dealing with the world, which is something like this. energy that I carry with me is transmitted musically and uh, and for that reason it's also why it's so necessary to participate in music with one another in order to understand one another from a very sort of um, harmonic point of view from a very non sort of human specific point of view but rather from a movement of life energy right how does the life energy of a particular person move from place to place what is there there's so much there's so much information transmitted musically that cannot be transmitted with dry words that it's uh, unbelievable to me that we aren't all carrying around with us musical instruments <laughs> and playing them to one another in order to communicate uh, on the street even. It's, um, it's sort of strange that people don't have expertise developed from a young age musically that they walk around with and it helps inform their position with the rest of the musical ensemble of the world. And I've been thinking lately, what would it be like if each person would be walking around, biking around with a musical instrument of some sort, so even something simple, even a little bell, or a little a little drum, a little tap. Or um or maybe a <laughs> maybe a keyboard of some sort. Hello. 
welcome to my house. Welcome to my home. Welcome to my home. This is a welcome to my home tune. You know, like, it's so obvious that music transmits certain tones. And, um, of course, there's not a universal interpretation of the different musical elements necessarily. But, I mean, if someone lives in a particular city and has lived there for their whole life or has lived there for a year even and uh, is in tune with the social the social element then a lot of people are in tune i mean a lot a lot of people are in tune with what's going on in a particular city uh which could depend on many things but anyways that's enough words for me time to transmit information musically words have run out of there see this one low note just completely transformed the meaning of this sort of It's um, it's a small it's a small thing. It's the addition of one note, but but it gives it more sort of a not necessarily melancholic, but right. And then this one adds tension. This one adds depth. But then one note up. Oh, wrong. Is it wrong? Did I make a mistake? Or am I just doing something more interesting? this gives a more sinister vibe <laughs> and uh, to me what I've been spending a lot of time doing I guess my whole life is turning every sort of mistake what would have been a mistake into a not mistake into a transition and uh, to me it's because I don't have proficiency on the piano I don't actually never learn how to play the piano in uh, in the way that you usually learn uh, I just experiment on the piano but I am much more proficient on the djembe or and uh, on the djembe uh, whenever I play a rhythm 
and uh, my hands <laughs> decide to do something other than what they were intended to do by my brain, it, uh, well, depending on my mood, I guess, it could either be a mistake or it could be a perfectly timed switch into a different rhythm or the addition of an interesting groove element and the degree to which I have confidence in my in my hands the degree to which I have confidence in my body to be guiding me into the right direction is the degree to which I allow that music to transform according to the new element introduced. And that balance of power, in a sense, of, um, of creation can move from being very top-heavy, uh, being very much in the mind, where I might say, this is what I want to create. And anytime there's a deviation from that, I can say, that was a mistake. I made a mistake. We're going to try that again. That's a very thinking-involved creation of music. Um, that's at the, on the one side, the top-heavy side. And then the bottom heavy side is something like complete trust in what the hands are already doing and the changing of the thinking in real time according to what is being produced. And um, sort of the hands cannot make a mistake. It is simply the conceptualization of what that music should have been or could have been that is what needs to be transformed. So those are the, the two different extremes that I play within. And uh, I'm, I'm not on one end or the other of that distribution, but at any given time, I fluctuate. And that sort of participation in music, uh, this sort of abstractly laid out uh, thing that I do, is actually quite a good way of explaining the way in which I interact with normal everyday life also, uh, from trusting what my body is doing and trying to listen to the creation story that is in the in the body um, to on one hand to on the other hand um, thinking into existence and correcting my movement my posture my body into the story that uh, my my intellect decides to tell and um, that disagreement of sorts that distance between the the body 
and the intellect that is present within me and uh, of course within everyone else um, but I only know of mine <laughs> from a first-person experience that disconnect is it can be treated as a problem and it could be a problem if it uh, if it if the two are too discontinuous from one another and uh, too dissonant if we we're going to use musical terms uh, that could be a problem but uh, if the two are operating coherently and friend in a, in a manner that's friendly with one another then it is more like the informing of the body and the intellect of which realities the two are participating in in order to help calibrate one another to to life to everything constant need of the calibration of the body, the physical embodied experience and the imagination, especially the intellectual sort of word-driven or image-driven imagination which creates a potential reality that one might go down, that one might begin to embody or try to embody and uh, the imagination of course uh, could be completely disconnected from not completely it can never be completely disconnected from the physical experience but uh, one might be able to neglect in a sense or leave behind one's own literal subjective experience of reality and live in the imaginary world but I don't necessarily recommend it <laughs> at least not um, not as a foundational attitude towards life because it uh, it isn't obvious to me that one's imagination the imagination of one person is 
likely enough to be right in enough ways to account for all of the intricacies of life and for that imagined reality to be embodied and lived without any catastrophic consequences. So the, there's a there's a line between practicality and idealism that is important to balance and for me lately balance has been the crucial epiphany that keeps coming up again and again over the last few days realizing that it is the flow of energy um the experience of the flow of energy that needs to be paid attention to in order to not waste, in a sense, precious energy on opportunities that aren't worthwhile of your energy. Because we have a finite amount of time and we have a finite amount of energy we also have a finite amount of dopamine and uh, one of the things I realize is if we have only so much dopamine that we can create only so much dopamine enriched experiences which we can have throughout a particular period of time whether it be throughout the day or throughout the hour different time frames for the creation and the consumption of the of dopamine in the mind in the brain starting to not speak properly but um uh, to back to the point where is that dopamine being directed towards if our sources of entertainment are for example, TikTok or Instagram, basically technological, um, technological media entertainment, uh, then our precious dopamine-enriched experiences, which, which are enjoyable, they are, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they could all be used up by this one thing. And if all of our dopamine is used up and we don't have any left, then, and I don't know, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a biologist, but it seems to me that once it's run out, you have to just wait for it to regenerate. You have to give it some time and imagine when you really need that dopamine you don't have it anymore it's uh it's in rest mode it's in regeneration mode um but that's not just for dopamine it's for life energy itself that if we spend all of our energy sort of concentrating for example on when walking down the street on whether someone is going to stab us or not or 
how other people are judging us based off of our appearance or whatever it might be, if we are placing a lot of our conscious thinking on particular things that aren't really that important, then we give all of that life energy over to something that starts to sort of grow within us. And that thing is a sort of a life in its own. It's sort of, it's that aspect of us. It's that version of us. It's the, I guess, for example, the version of us that is thinking about whether or not we are in danger. A useful version, but uh, if one... If, if you grow up in a dangerous place and you then end up living the rest of your life in a relatively safe place and never <laughs> and never have a, an incident in which your life is in danger because someone is out to get you, but you've spent all of that time giving energy away to the detection and assessment of threat while out and about, then, I mean, it's just a miscalibrated system that continues to fire in the way that it was wired long ago. And for that reason, uh, it is sometimes needed, sometimes useful, perhaps not needed, but sometimes useful to completely recalibrate the, not completely recalibrate, but gently over time, recalibrate consciously the degree to which we participate in certain ways of thinking which are sourced in uh, times and places which are no longer as relevant as they once were but then of course you run into the issue and I now I'm, the, I'm just rambling this is supposed to be a piano thing <laughs> then of course we ran into we run into the problem of for example what of the holocaust the never forget aspect <laughs> which we are supposed to not forget where you're supposed to remember never forget and never forgetting is a sort of permanent permanently um it's a permanent trauma of sorts, and it goes, it passes through the generations, uh, through stories, but also through, and don't quote me on this, I would love to find out if this is really the case, but through epigenetics, through particular um, manifestations of epigenetics, which become permanently imprinted onto the uh, onto the bloodline and uh, per turn into sort of more permanent genetics and so trauma experienced by one generation could continue for the next and the next generation in the form of a fix of sorts in the form of a calibration to an environment which does not necessarily exist however the interesting thing about that is we don't know if we're going to... We're not... Why would we... 
why would we be so sure that there won't be another holocaust? And why are we so sure that this time it'll look the same as it looked last time if it happens? I mean, the physical... the, The way in which people were once exterminated by physically killing them in order to... Oh, I mean, achieve whatever goal someone might have, however dark it might be and however horrible it might be, those methods are changing. Now, as we are, as humanity, collectively, increasingly existing on the internet, our psyche is... Our psyche has more and more real estate that is given to the participation with technology and the connection to the uh, to one another in the digital sense. As that is increasing, our being becomes more and more technological, and technological death in a sort in in a, in a sense, especially social. Um, being being a social outcast from the technological realm, getting cancelled is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> is how one might attain the the goals today that one might have previously um, gone through murder for. Uh, of course. There's a lot of differences. Don't don't start immediately telling me that getting cancelled and getting killed is not the same thing. I know it's not. But as a supposed solution that someone might hand out. To, <laughs> as a supposed solution that someone might have in order to fix their problems by getting rid of someone. Uh, in the modern age... That might be the equivalent of getting burned at the stake. I mean, and we use that terminology too, right? If someone's getting sort of roasted, absolutely destroyed on the internet, it's like getting getting burnt at the stake in the town square um, 500 years ago. And uh, yeah, quite a sporadic and wide-ranging recording that started off with a simple idea. I started off with a simple idea relating to the movement between order and chaos and the creation of arbitrary games and rules to those arbitrary games in order to calibrate oneself to the happenings in one's life, to the happenings of an environment. And of course, if playing music with one another, all of that is just intuitively being transmitted through listening, active listening to the other musicians. Um, That was sort of the beginning of the reason why I started recording and then I ended up here. And uh, (laughs) it seems to happen that way all the time if I don't have someone sort of pointing me in the right direction, but...
to me it's uh, necessary it's necessary to sometimes go down these paths and i'm not really sure if anyone is gonna be interested um if anyone's gonna understand what i'm saying if my words really are good enough at communicating the ideas the way that i see them or not i'm not sure about that but it's something that i really enjoy doing uh, i really find it meaningful i really find it fun uh yeah so over and out